Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, Episode 22, August 27th, 2022. So glad you can make it. Counterculture Coach. Going to go with that one for the title of this venture into the madness and be forewarned. My emotions are ragged and raw today, probably. Might should have waited until tomorrow to record this. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I'm a sports guy, you know, as far back as I can remember. I've played and I've coached. Um, in fact, at my first school, uh, Statesville Christian School, where I started teaching, I was the I was the social studies department, and also I coached soccer, basketball, and baseball. That was before the school started recruiting. I think it was Lithuanians. Um, they started the recruiting pipeline to make the basketball team really good, so they could build bigger facilities. In the name of the Lord, of course, but I digress. But watching sports, you know, man, I, I just love it. Like, whatever it is, it's it's the thing that I enjoy watching the most. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the U.S. Open tennis coming up, you know. I think 1985 is probably the year where my earliest sports memories um, happened those those Chicago Bears, you know, with the the Super Bowl shuffle and the fridge refrigerator Perry diving in from the one yard line. Those St. Louis Cardinals with the Willie McGee and Vince Coleman and, and Jack Clark. Was Bruce Souter on that team? Mary Lou Retton was around then too. I mean, I like to watch all the sports. It doesn't matter what it is. Volleyball. I uh, used to love to go and watch Garden Web volleyball back in the day. And when ESPN has the Ocho on and they, they have that marble racing, yeah, I watch it too. I mean, the action is great, you know, I like the action. But it's the drama. It's always been the drama that really gets me. It's the same with TV and movies. I've never really been an action scene guy. I can, you know, when I watch Marvel movies, the fight scenes and the big explosions and all that, I mean, it's cool to watch, I guess. but. It's the drama and the dialogue. It's the expression, you know, of the of the human condition. That's why I watch. That's what I like to watch. That's what captivates me. And back in the day, I mean, look, pulling for John Elway or Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley or maybe even Danny Werfel. I mean, I was rooting for my team against yours. I wanted to win. I wanted to talk smack after we won. But these days, that's not really how I roll. Like The only team that I really pull for deep down in my gut is the Ohio State Buckeyes basketball team. And that's just because Chris and Lori Holtman, you know. For the most part, I just like to watch. I don't remember what pressures or feelings of expectation or, you know, things like that that I may have felt when my parents and others would come and watch me play sports ball. 
but I, I just want my kids. I've been thinking about that this week. Like I just want my kids to know that I just really like watching them play. I like watching them play the game. I mean, I pull for them. You know, I want them to win. I pump my fist at a great shot. I tilt my head back sometimes when the shot goes into the net. But it's the drama of it all. It's the game. You know, capital G. I told Sydney on the first day of tennis this year to play the game. And that sounds simple, but what I mean by that and what she knows I mean by that is the game of tennis, but it's the game of life. It really does mirror life in a lot of ways because you can't beat the game. Sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, losing or failing, those things are most important. Learning how to respond to adversity, playing the next point. Sometimes you're the one that maintains your poise and you keep digging and you turn a deficit into a sweet comeback victory. And sometimes you're the one that blows the lead due to frustrations, losing your control. You're the one that's slamming the racket into the net. You're the one that's fussing at your teammate. You're the one that's frustrated with yourself, looking for other things to blame, you know, and all the factors that can come into play, both controllable and not. And that's just it. It's not just tennis. I mean, I like to watch them play. I like to watch them play ultimate. I like to watch them play ping pong, disc golf. I always had a time just right where I could go down to the river when Sam and would play with the, with the, with the disc golf club. And I would get back just in time and drive through campus down by the spring, um, Gardner Webb down by the boiling spring. And, and I would always be able to catch Sam tossing his, his putt in on 18. I like watching them play Mario Kart, you know, or Mario, whatever it is, like when they're all in there together. But if you, if you get out of screen, then you, then you lose, you lose a life and it's fun to watch them play that and like, yell at each other and, ah, you know, I love to watch them play the game, to see them learn to cooperate, to see their creativity, their agency, to see how they process the difficulties, to see the way they serve others before themselves. I just like to watch the game. I like to watch my classes, especially in these first few weeks as we all learn each other individually and also as we establish the character and the culture of the corporate classroom, practicing the art of teaching without all the bureaucratic mumbo jumbo, seeing how my kids respond to each other, where they sit. I'm not a seating chart guy. And so it's, it's always interesting to see how they find their place in the room. And once they do, they pretty much create their own seating chart. You know, and how the separate groups handle it when someone makes a comment. You know, are they going to get fired up? How are they going to fire back? How do they defend themselves? What What are the tense moments going to be like? Because there will be tense moments in a room full of 27 people. You know, there are going to be tense moments in a classroom. I like to see how those things shake out. I love to watch and learn their idiosyncrasies and, you know, find out who wants to speak and who doesn't want to be noticed at all. And I like to watch how they react to me as I learn how to navigate these 27 distinct personalities, you know, 
while trying to begin to teach them about a government they have no desire to learn about. And honestly, I get it. I get why they don't want to learn about it. I can't really blame them. I did make a lot of inroads uh, inroads this week talking about the Snapchat. You got to put the in front of it. Get them to roll their eyes at you. But I'm a brand new Snapchat dad, basically just using it to um, communicate with Sam while he's in Boone. But you don't learn about purple squares and red squares and blue squares and what's the difference and the fire thing and what S means if somebody, you know, I'm learning about snap etiquette and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? That's, they enjoy talking to me about that for a bunch of reasons. For one, I'd suspect that they're kind of making fun of me because I'm the old guy. But more than that, I think it's because they know that stuff. That's their turf. They understand that language. Um, and I like watching them be comfortable in you know, what they know. And of course, I throw around my dad jokes. Speaking of school, and another one of my all-time favorite players to watch play the game, his name is Mr. Good. Most of the kids just call him Good. You ought to see this guy, man. Pacing the hallways with purpose and passion. A student said about him the other day, you know, she said, it seems like we don't really ever do anything in there, but it ends up that we learn so much. And dang, if that's not about the best compliment I can think of for a teacher. The way he plays the game, it's the realist. Seeking truth and never settling. And carefully and compassionately developing new ways to search for that goodness and truth with his students and his colleagues. Encouragement is one of the highest virtues, in my opinion. And this guy, his light is bright. It shines bright. Let's just say that. I do enjoy watching him play the game. Well, I have to admit that uh, as we drop into a quick halftime here, I have to admit that in the original kind of notes for taking this, when I was talking about all the different things that my kids play, I was going to make the comment about I wish they didn't look at screens so much that I don't necessarily enjoy watching them play the screens. But first of all, I look at mine. And then I saw a meme like from 1987 Mario and how – it used to take us three days just to make this one jump. You know, you got to time it up just right. Boop, boop. And, you, you know, you remember like when you would make those jumps? I'm, I'm talking to the older folks here, maybe. But like you would, you make those jumps and you have to move your hands. Like you're holding on to the controller, which is wired in. And, and you're trying to jump, but you, you got to get your shoulders and your body sway into it. I mean, if you don't, you're never going to make the jump. You've got to totally do it. So anyway, I was thinking about some of the old school Nintendo, original Nintendo games that were some of my favorites. And Legend of Zelda, uh, Metroid, Tecmo Bowl, of course, Double Dribble. Um, Excite Bike was always fun for me. And RC Pro-Am. There are a couple other ones that I remember, like Castlevania, but I just don't think I was very good at that. Kung Fu, same kind of thing. I don't know if I can remember. Any more beat? No, that was a different game. I was about to start talking about some Intellivision games. Um, I didn't have Atari. I had Intellivision. 
But anyway. So I don't know, maybe we will uh, stay calm here today and maybe even make it a a shorter podcast for your weekend here. But it's a countercultural coach, you know, and I guess good coaches have expectations. And though it's difficult for me, for us to convince our kids and my students otherwise, my expectations are not based on grades or achievements any of that kind of stuff. My expectations, the expectations that I have are just rooted in the fruit of the spirit. I mean, I I want them to be generous and kind and peaceful and selfless. I want them to find the narrow path of less judgment. I mean, I'm a human man. I get mad. I get my feelings hurt. I lash out. I'm loyal to a fault. Like, I'm not saying that I don't have these tendencies, but, but I know the things that I've been through, the things that I'm going through, the, the, the stuff that we're experiencing, that I'm experiencing. This is a tough time. But even now, like I just like watching the game. I like watching people play this game we call life, even through the muck and the mire. And don't be like, Don't be distracted by me using the term the game. I understand that this is real stuff. I know that pain and real, you know, suffering and grief and the joys that you feel and all of those kinds of things like exploitation. And I I mean, I don't mean to make little of that by using it as the game. My point is I love to watch people and how this whole thing unfolds even through the muck and the mire. And you know what? I've thought about it. Like maybe my expectations, my desire for my kids and for myself to live counterculturally makes the weight of it all a bit heavier. I've got my hippie tendencies, all right, music that I listen to and being barefoot all the time and peace this and peace. I mean, you know, I'm talking to the turtles down at the river. But when I say counterculture, I'm not talking about the 60s, man. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Because those attributes certainly run counter to our culture. When I say I try not to judge, you know, when I say I don't condemn people for their actions because I understand that people have gone through stuff, you know, that there's so much involved in the decisions and the actions that people um, come out with, you know, I, I, I mean that to, that I do that to the best of my ability, but honestly, the groups who use religion to condemn others, to draw lines, to keep others out, who support violence and selfishness because they, because of power. Well, those are, I guess those are the folks I come closest to condemning, but I guess I'll just let the words of Jesus handle that. He deals with those kinds of folks in the New Testament. And you know what? Even then, like, I see pictures of when I scroll through people's Facebook feeds and stuff like that, and I get it. I get I get it. 
I get the wanting to hold on and understand and have firm footing. And so it's easy. It's easy. This path is easy when you can just latch on to the current culture. It feels safe. It feels like there's more power. Like you know something, you know, instead of not knowing, because not knowing and, and having to actually have faith and hope, those things are difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm off there. Okay. Our kids, man, our kids are on edge. And why shouldn't they be? The events and the climate of this past half decade or more. And combine that with the leadership that we see in all areas of our lives. Leadership that is brash and aggressive, whatever side. Sometimes even self-seeking, maybe more times than not. And so much of that is like, oh man, tied to religion, tied to patriotism or something. I don't know. Taking the good name in vain, it seems. I really am. This is, uh, I'll close this up with, with this. I, one of my classes is really small. And in just a week, like in just a week, we had it going. It's an AP class, you know? And in just a week, we had it going where all the people were sitting around in a circle discussing things. They had to come up with their own amendment, the 28th Amendment to the Constitution. And I gave them the opportunity to do it in small groups, but they chose to do it as one big group, one big group of nine, which led to what I thought would happen where they weren't able to come up with anything, which makes the point of how we can't get amendments passed and why it's difficult to do that. But anyway, this isn't class. But the kids were sitting around and they were passionately engaged in the content and the process. It was beautiful. And it was most beautiful because the one kid who had been on the outside up until then, he joined in. He pulled his chair over and they were all sitting around. And not only did he join the group, but he offered his opinion. But unfortunately, when he did offer his opinion, he was shouted down and his idea was called stupid. Now, it was cool. I was able to find him last night at the football game and tell him I noticed that that happened, that it shouldn't have been that way, that it's okay for people to disagree, but that somebody's opinion shouldn't be called stupid, not in that manner. And then I would deal with it on Monday. I don't think it really meant a lot to him. The art. Because we're going to disagree. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have woes. You know, we're going to have suffering. We're going to have all of that kind of stuff. I didn't agree with this kid's opinion. But instead of calling somebody stupid, why, why can't we push to consider and reconsider? And then lay out our opposing views. You know, tell you why I disagree. And we may never come to a conclusion. But if unity is what we seek, is it? Maybe it isn't. Maybe that's more of my naivete, you know. But this is my countercultural push. This is what I believe we should seek after and run after. If unity is what we seek, then we've got to strive for it with all of our might. And maybe that does make things heavier. Maybe it would be easier just to go with the flow, act like everybody else is acting. But what does it mean to be 
peaceful, you know? What does it mean to seek goodness, to be patient, to have self-control? It's chaos, you know, it seems like. A lot of times it seems like chaos, but I just think that if we can do this, that if we can learn to slow down, maybe, if we can learn to take some breaths and observe other people, because we're all we're all doing this together, man. If we could learn to watch how other people respond, if we could learn to watch the game and just enjoy. Appreciate, maybe that's the word, appreciate the players, you know, if we could learn to appreciate how each of us is dealing with all of the junk that we got to deal with and have some sympathy and perhaps some empathy and be willing to share that kind of thing, then maybe out of the chaos, a wave of hope will appear. This is a Church of Six production brought to you by the Bucket of Life, brought to you by the Magic Rock, brought to you by the Foundation, Tower of Stone, and brought to you by the Wall of Belief. We can do this. We can believe, and we can be alive. Peace, my friends.